Hey, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for um, having me. Confession Box. Uh, let's start with just asking you to tell us all about who you are. Okay. Uh, I am an uh, actor and filmmaker based in Atlanta currently. I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, lived there for most of my life, um, and then went to school at the University of Kentucky in Lexington, where I studied music performance, uh, and then moved to Atlanta shortly after. So yeah, I'm a performer uh, and filmmaker. And your name is Lloyd. And my name is Lloyd. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Well, thanks for again for being here. Um, let's just jump right into this. I know you have a story to tell today. What is your intention in going public with your story? Yeah, uh, my intent is fully to open up doors for people of all kinds, people that may be similar to me and that they are, you know, on similar paths or have walked a similar path to know that they're not, that's not, you know, an exclusive experience of theirs. Um, and then also to open up that door for validation for others that my experiences might have directly affected. Excellent. Good intentions. So let's sort of um, break it into past, present, future mm -hmm. and ask you to talk about the past. In terms of the story you're telling us today, talk about the past. Okay, I gotcha. Uh, yeah, so I, like I said, I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, it's like the, the top of the South, like the most North the South gets, you know, like the top of the Southeast, um, but it's still privy to a lot of the cultural ideals and stigmas and things like that, that most of the deep South is, you know. Um, yeah, so I grew up in that conservative white Christian culture, uh, very limited, very narrow worldview and very narrow focus on a lot of ideas about life and things like that. Um, a lot of really strict traditions that if broken often end in ostracization or criminalization, depending on what exactly it is that you do. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the past has, has been a lot of that. Uh, and in that, uh, growing up in that as a child, you know, neuroplasticity does wonders. Um, all that stuff was just fed to me constantly, um, was being fed all of those just toxic ideas. Um, yeah, so that's, that's where I'd say the past was in terms of like this topic that we're, that we're talking about. And so then how has that affected your present? That's even tougher. Uh, <laughs> um, presently, I think it just, um, from, a, from a negative perspective, I guess it could instill a lot of anxiety, um, a lot of, um, constant need to correct or, uh, you know, find ways to approach things in different ways just makes things very difficult because I'm constantly trying to deconstruct things that were ingrained in me when I was very small, you know, like before I even was formulating my own actual thoughts, you know, when I was still taking things in to then um, navigate the world. Uh, yeah, so it creates a lot of that, but then at the same time, it creates a lot of like, um, it, it makes me excited. Um, so like a, from a more positive perspective, it makes me excited that I'm able to grow and that I'm able now to connect with more people. And the more I learn about other people or other cultures, the more I expose myself to more of the world, the better I get at that and the more just connected and you know, connected I feel. Yep. That's a great perspective, the excitement. I like that. Mm -hmm. um, can you think back to, we'll sort of go back and forth past, present. So in the past, when, when you were younger, um, before you felt excited about it, were there other emotions that came up with different experiences? And how did you sort of learn about who you have become now? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's been a lot of like, so just to lay it all out there, I've spent most of my life as a straight, cis, white, able-bodied, financially stable male, you know, like benefiting from pretty much every pr privilege this country has to offer. Um, 
I totally just lost my train of thought. <laughs> that's that's to, okay. Trying and, to make sure I got all the qualifiers there. <laughs> but while we're we're paused for a moment, um, can you at the same time uh, define cis for the audience? Uh, yes, yeah, cisgendered. Uh, so uh, this is not the case currently. I now I am gender fluid. Um, I think I always have been. I've now realized, I guess. Um, cisgendered is you uh, identify or uh, ascribe to the gender you were assigned at birth. So. You know, you come out of the womb, they see you have a penis, they see you have a vagina, they say, okay, male, female. Cis would be people that stick with that all the way through, whereas trans or uh, non-binary is uh, essentially defying that strict law set in place by current medical standard. Gender fluidity? Could mm -hmm. you define what that means to you? Yeah, yeah, okay, to me, I, I actually just explained this to a friend yesterday. Um, so to me, I... Uh, I grew up in a very specific culture in south southeastern United States. Um, so I have a lot of long-standing relationships um, that I, I love the way that they are, and I'm comfortable who I am within them. Uh, those would be, I'm, I love that I'm a brother to my little sister. I love that I'm an uncle to my nieces and nephews. And those are gender-specific terms, you know? Uh, but then when it comes to things like social relationships or romantic relationships or sexual relationships, I don't really identify with strictly a masculine expectation. So be able, being able to be fluid in what I wear or be fluid in how I act or talk or interact with people is, is where, I, where I see it, you know? Um, and that's not to say that those relationships that I am happy with and how, who I am within them, those can't be fluid as well. Um, uh, it's, I try to take, don't know if this is toxic for myself yet or not, but I try to take into other people's uh, perception when I... Um, define my own gender identity. Um, I, I guess how I, how I would define gender as a concept is just how one navigates the social construct of gender. You know, the, my gender is, is decided on by myself or is, is the way that it is in myself because it's the way that I feel the safest or the, the most um, authentic acting in the world. So if, you know, if, if one of those relationships, say with my sister, if that was a more, uh, I guess, a more LGBTQ friendly relationship, then I could, I could also be a sister. I could be a sibling. I can be whatever I need to be when I need to be. And I, I find that a very defining trait of myself is just adaptability, being able to adapt to any situation. So yeah. Just go into more detail about your past relating to the present and how this might help others. Yeah, 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 I guess I can start. Somewhere easier to start would be um, where I first started to become aware of all those things. Um, I first started to become aware of all those things and my relationship with my now partner, Emily. Um, uh, I, again, grew up with all of those, all of those privileges. Uh, and, and starting my relationship with Emily, she grew up in a little more of a progressive household, uh, introduced me to just pretty basic concept of feminism, just the idea of gender equity in all forms. Uh, not, you know, not just social or not just financial or things like that, but uh, in every way. So I guess that's kind of where I started to realize, like, yes, I struggle in some ways, or, every, you know, everyone has their things that they struggle with or they have to work through, but, like, these privileges that I have are not taking away from me, you know, whereas other people, you know, if I didn't have the skin color that I have or if I wasn't assigned the gender that I was assigned, that those can essentially be knocks in certain situations against people. Um, so starting to become aware of those was when I started that relationship um, seven years ago. Um, yeah, and from that point, I guess it just became a snowball effect. There were people that I met. There was a friend that I met in college, a black man, 
Uh, and it was the first time that I'd really had a conversation, a deep, intimate conversation about race and just about the whole idea, you know, because even small children experience racial tensions because they, they um, in, every, in, every, in every way in society are, you know, they have these ideals and things that are like instilled in them by their parents or by media and all these things. So even children feel those tensions, but this was the first time that I'd really like spoken out loud with someone about that kind of thing. Uh, so I started to open up to just the idea of race theory and what that, uh, how that might affect people and how that has not affected me. Um, so yeah, I guess that was next. And then, you know, and then deconstructing homophobia with certain friends or deconstructing transphobia with certain friends just kind of became a snowball effect. The more people that I met and the more open I was to other people's experiences, not just knocking them because I saw something that like, oh yeah, growing up, I was always told that, growing up, I was always told that, um, men with piercings or tattoos were sissies or they were punks or whatever. So that was a, an implicit bias that had been ingrained into me. So anytime I saw someone with piercings or specifically a male with piercings or tattoos, I was like, okay, you, you know, that's invalid. And that's, it's just awful. That's so bad. <laughs> but talking to these people and getting all these experiences, I was finally able to actually connect with people that didn't simply just look or talk or walk like me. So yeah, it's been a lot of it, but that, that snowball effect, I honestly couldn't tell you how that happened. It just kind of did. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're describing um, individually what our whole society is kind of uh, going through mm -hmm. right now and becoming aware of. And mm -hmm. you, you mentioned uh, critical race theory, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and that's in the news pretty much every day right now. Yeah. Based on your own experiences, can you just talk about that a bit more um, some families, who knows, they may be in the audience, have issues with um, their children learning about that in school. Can you just sort of talk about how learning, you were in college, I think you said? Yeah, it wasn't, yeah it wasn't until I got to college that I really okay. started to dig into something like that. Would it, do you think it could have made a difference for you had you learned it earlier? And just, just talk about that. Had I learned about those things earlier, um, many relationships and many interactions I had would have been perceived or handled much differently. Um, I remember times where a friend would tell me, you know, like something that bothered them or something that was related to race or just related to their identity as a whole that I was, I hadn't experienced it. So it doesn't exist, right? If, if I didn't see it, if I didn't feel it, if I didn't hear it, taste it, smell it, whatever, it doesn't exist. Absolutely not. <laughs> so yeah, if I'd learned about that earlier, I probably would have been able to have more deep, meaningful relationships with other, other people much sooner. Um, and on top of that, would have just been a much more uh, open and probably a happier person because I would have been less uh, less pessimistic. When you're when you're more open to seeing the good and accepting the good in people, that like good, and that opens up a whole can of worms with goodness and badness. Like no one's wholly good or wholly bad. It's all that's all totally a spectrum. But um, yeah, I feel I, I feel like that could have drastically changed how I interacted with so many different types of people. Um, and you're talking about the media and how like that's been such a such a buzzword, critical race theory and all that stuff. Um, we know that children experience these tensions because we've all experienced these tensions. So essentially we're expecting people, uh, children of color, you know, to experience racism, but then not to teach the other side of the coin what it is, you know? So we're just like, okay, well, you just deal with it, and when they're older, then they can figure it out and take care of it. Bogus, <laughs> my opinion. <laughs> How has um, 
both your background, but also coming to some new conclusions about the world and society. How has that affected the relationship that you're in now? And you mentioned your partner, Emily, who mm -hmm. our audiences may already know by now or will learn. So can you talk a bit about your own personal experience and moving into relationship with a partner? Yeah, yeah. At first it was like, it was tumultuous. Like it was all over the place. It was like, uh, you know, because I was totally unaware of myself and how others perceived me. So it was, um, you know, we'd just be having a great day, we'd be on a date or whatever, having a good time, just happy high schoolers. And then something would come up and I'm like, well, why are you mad? Like, what are you, what are you upset about? And it's probably because I said something horribly sexist and just didn't realize it. <laughs> um, so yeah, it started off like that uh, and that wasn't good. So that, <laughs> Emily is a very like headstrong person. So that just wasn't gonna happen. You know, I would, I would throw some BS like that at her and she was just like, okay, no, don't do that again. <laughs> so I had to learn pretty quickly. And I, I think I did, and that's why the relationship lasted. <laughs> but now at this point, um, I, I think we challenge each other daily, even on things that I don't experience. Like I, I still like, feel like I have to offer challenges for her in terms of feminism, despite me not experiencing sexism, you know? Um, and we both challenge each other in many other ways, and again, many other forms of intersectional identity and you know, things like that. So yeah, it's uh, definitely played a huge part in you know, defining where we started, and then it's kind of grown into a relationship where we, to use the word again, challenge each other to grow on a daily basis. Great. What, what do you feel that you haven't said either today or perhaps anytime to those who hear your various ideas and views of gender and sexuality and identity and all these things, and some part of them is fearful about that. They might not use the word fearful, but they might act out in a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, what could you say to them, an older generation or even younger generations who react negatively when they hear these things? Love is the message, to quote Pose, one of my favorite TV shows. Love is the message. I, I can't say that enough. It's, I, uh, I spend every day of my life in the pursuit of unconditional love, non-toxic, unconditional love. Um, and the, the, more I, the more I pursue that, the more I realize that my own perspective is a very, very small sample size of the world. So the, the, the things that I'm saying here, uh, I can't verify with a 100% certainty, you know? I am uh, an accumulation of all of my memories and all of my experiences. Um, but I know for certain that love is the message and I think anyone can get on with that. Very good. Has being a part of the LGBTQIA community changed your own view of equality? When I say I'm gender fluid, they're like, oh, you don't look gender fluid. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, uh, I, I don't owe you androgyny as a gender fluid person. You know, I don't, I don't owe you a certain level of femininity or a certain lack of masculinity. I am, I am as I am and I need, just need you to accept me as that. Um, and that was like really one of the first um, eye-opening experiences of someone that I know has good intent and is a good person and is a loving person, just missing the mark. And I think um, that's, really important to pay attention to because there are people in our lives where we often um, are, uh, are hunts to figure out, you know, like um, what's politically correct or what's appropriate or what's right can become witch hunts that are misplaced. 
that person, while that was a microaggression and while that was something that I, that hurt a little bit, I know that person is a loving and good person. So I can't, you know, beat them down or attack them for it. Um, I can talk to them about it. I can communicate like, hey, that wasn't a, that wasn't a good thing. Kind of hurt me in this way. And hopefully they're receptive and can communicate with you. Um, but that interaction for some reason has defined my perception of equality, equity, whatever, uh, whatever term you want to use for that. Um, yeah, that just resonates me, resonates with me in a way. Um, I guess it's, I guess it's because uh, equality is, um, is really personal. It's often politicized in a way that tries to make it like, uh, tries to make it a, uh, like a governmental system. Like you can't govern equality wholesale. Like it's so situational and subjective to each individual person. Um, yeah, so you, you just gotta be willing to, to, to see it that way, to not try to, um, to, 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 I guess, to buy equality wholesale. I guess that's the easiest way that I could say it. Um, yeah, I guess that's where I'll leave that off. <laughs> One more question and then we'll, we'll move to the, the uh, other part of the show. Um, speaking specifically to youth, who maybe who could be watching this at some point, and who relate to you as a youth, mm -hmm. and seeing into the future that they may someday be able to become who you are, similar to who you are now, facing some of the same challenges you did, etc. What is what do you think is the what can give them the most hope? Uh, thinking of you know numbers, um, tragic numbers in society where youth who identify in various ways and don't fit the quote norm. Uh, may have increased numbers of uh, suicidal ideation, harming themselves, mm. et cetera. Um, what might have helped you back then? And what would ha could help them now, perhaps? Mm -hmm. um, something that I was lacking uh, in a lot of the personal development or the, um, I, 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 t I go to therapy once a week. Um, and I'm recently developing my gender identity and things like that. Something that I was lacking was feeling like someone was searching for me because they knew I needed help. I have now become that person. I have seen a lot of people in my life and I've seen myself when I didn't feel as if someone was searching for me if, or if that someone was looking to help me. Um, in saying this, I, I'm essentially saying I've become an activist in a lot of ways. Um, I pursue environmental acti activism and racial activism, civil rights, essentially. Um, there, there are people that are searching for you and that are looking to help you. I have become one of them because I, that is who I needed. And now that I have become one and I'm um, pursuing that daily, I'm finding more of those people. Those numbers are increasing. So take that, please. Excellent, okay. Um, is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you wanted that was part of your intention for today that you would like to add? No, I feel pretty good. Okay, great. And that means that we are ready for the confession box part of the show. So uh, what I'll ask you to do is open up the confession box, reach in, pull a word out, look at it, 
show it to us and then talk about how that relates to things we've discussed today. This one looks good. <laughs> <laughs> that one has a lot of meaning. <laughs> uh, so what, what am I answering about this? No, I, I forgot. That well, one hit me hard. Well, talk about what meaning it has for you and does it also, does it relate to what we've talked about today? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, apology doesn't have to be an admission of guilt. It can be an admission of simply humanity. Uh, you, you don't have to be guilty for being human. Um, and I guess that's kind of where I'm sitting with it right now. Um, yeah, I've, I've, had, I've had relationships where apology, simple apology is a struggle. And it's not, it's not just one, like it's a lot. And I feel, so I feel like that's something people really struggle with. Um, my, my nieces and nephews, again, I, they're, I love them so much. They're like my own kids. Um, <laughs> they're not. I don't take care of them every day. But I love them so much. Uh, they uh, have a, a, like a poster up in their like homeschool room that's just steps one through five of how to give a proper apology. Um, and I feel like that is so important. Like it's so important at understanding other people. Um, because it, the way those steps are laid out is that it doesn't have to be an admission of guilt. It can be just an admission of... I see, I, I am human, I see you as human, let's figure this out together. Not, um, not like, oh my gosh, I was so awful, let me point all the attention to me and this awful thing that I did and take everything, or say, oh, I didn't do that, like not apologize, you know, like th that's, that's two ends of a spectrum that are total extremes. The middle ground would be meeting at the center point of humanity. So I guess that's where I sit with apology, um, yeah. Kind of what comes to mind. Yeah, and that's powerful, and I love hearing what your homeschool nieces, nephews have on their wall. Boy, if all school children could just learn that, <laughs> the world would be in a better place. Mm. Um, so, given that that was the word you chose, do you feel that you're ready to, let's say, close this chapter in your life after this confession you've shared today by placing that word back in the box, or do you feel like you would uh, like or need more time to process it, in which case you could keep holding it on, holding onto it, and have hopes to revisit it another day. I think I need more time with this one. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, there's a lot in there. Man, that, was, that, is, that is the perfectly wrong word ah. for me. Like, ah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I think I need more time. Which could mean it's the perfectly right word. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. You're totally right. <laughs> well, in that case, um, I think we are done for today and I thank you for being here and if you since you're holding on to it who knows we may be seeing you again in the future hope so thank you